Welcome to another episode of the Help on the Wave podcast, where this week we'll be featuring April 8th, 1991. That was down in Orlando, Florida on a Monday. I am here with my good friend and co-host, Nob. Say hello, Nob. Hello, Nob. Yeah, very, very, very good. You did that um, uh, very, very literal. Yes, um, I always do. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, as you'll hear from the sound of my voice, this is Fig speaking. Uh, our good friend Game is not here this week. That's right. We are gameless for this uh, episode of the podcast. Game, I believe, is slot car racing, or he did something something to do with go-karts. I'm not quite sure uh, what the details were, but he was unable to listen to um, the weekly show, and, and he isn't with us today. It raises a question for me, though, Game. I was... Sorry, not Game. Nob, I was Ouch. out from the last show. <laughs> I always do that. I always do that. If, if we used real names, I probably would do that very less. But <laughs> um, I was out last week. <clears throat> but I did listen to the podcast. It was a really good podcast. So thank you very much you. and good job. However, my question after listening to the podcast was, what did you guys think I was doing in England? Like, like a food tour? Like I couldn't quite put my finger on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... Tour of England? Yeah, I think we assumed that you were mostly going to different buildings and ordering beans on toast so that you could kind of compare and contrast all of the beans and toast that they had in the British Isles uh, and know... And do a podcast about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to talk about maybe your top five or top ten beans on toast experiences. (laughs) The Beans on Toast podcast actually sounds really cool. Um, totally something I would talk to you offline about, um, and brainstorm ideas there. I did have beans on toast once, um, okay. and it was delicious and, and there were like, uh, roasted tomatoes and stuff. It was, it was the okay. whole thing. Um, and if you had to, to rate it out of 10, um, like we do with, uh, with Scarlet Fire. Yeah. yeah I'm also going to make you choose a set right after this. <laughs> uh, I would give it a solid. I was really hungry that day, so like that bumps it up to like a seven. Okay. Um, but didn't you know it didn't scratch the itch of the culinary tour, the culinary sure. you know, like that, the gastronomical wonders of the British Isles. Um, what would I will you say? say that... The the tomatoes were your your MVP of the of the meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but let's go. Uh... <laughs> Nothing yeah, like breaking down the, the format bread, of the, the show in the good. first five minutes. Yeah, yeah, let's get real meta with this. Um, I will say that I had a flat white coffee at that uh, diner, and it was absolutely fantastic, and and I'll okay. never forget it. Um, but moving on to before we uh, get into a show that may or may not be unforgettable, we will talk about Channel Six. Uh, that is our weekly news update, and the big news coming from the Grateful Dead subreddit is the Dennis McNally AMA, which happened last Friday night. And there's a soundboard on Discord now, so I will give a clap. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, It's good when you queue these things up instead of letting it be organic. So uh, the Dennis McNally AMA was orchestrated by our friend of the pod, Post Crash Earnhardt. So good job to PCE uh, for all of that. And um, I didn't realize that Dennis McNally was uh, such a uh, 
integral integral part of uh, the the subreddit itself. But apparently, uh, he really um, looks after us here in the sub, and that was really cool. Nob, what were your thoughts on the AMA? Did anything pop out at you uh, when you read it? I thought it was interesting. I always like when the AMAs come from folks that are involved with the band, but not members yeah. of the band. Because mm-hmm. there's, and for, I don't know. For those listening uh, who don't specifically know, Dennis McNally was a longtime publicist and media consultant for the band. So definitely had that kind of uh, window into the band, but certainly was not a musician. But uh, Yeah. Ahead. Yeah, he was, he was there, but not... He's been living a life that's outside of that world long enough that he's got a little bit of distance and perspective, which I think is really nice. Sure. Um, the one that was really interesting to me, someone asked him about his feelings on the Grateful Dead scene now, when so many people are getting into the Grateful Dead 30 years after Jerry passed away. Um, and that stood out to me because that's kind of us. That's, yep. us. that's <laughs> us here on the podcast. Not kind of. I was born in 1999. Um, um, but, I but I've, I've driver's license in 1999 oof, and gas is... was 97 cents a gallon. <laughs> go, go I ahead. will take your word for it. Um, yeah. I'm not even sure if that was the year that I got my driver's license. So, sure. yeah. um, but Continue. there was an answer that he had that I really liked, um, where he talked about the difference between back then and now. And he says, not to get all old guy, but I do regret the ease of simply downloading a million shows from good guys, not criticizing archive.org or whatever. The slow process of mailing out lists and connecting with people in the eighties, it created relationships that I'll cherish until I die. And I think that's a really interesting point. Mm-hmm. Cause I think what he has said has not gone away it's just changed because he's absolutely right people aren't still you know mailing each other blank tapes so that they can get shows put onto the tapes like how my dad would listen to the dead back in the day but the sharing still happens whether it's tapes that are new like the whenever charlie miller releases a new soundboard online or whether it's Dreams of shows that are currently happening, people still form those relationships with people. It's just a different way. I don't know. I thought that was interesting because he's right that it's not the same, but it it's not gone. It's just evolved. Right. And I thought that was right. It, well, it's probably not about. as so central to the scene, right? Like, is, yes, you know, just like the overarching community. Um, it still exists, but in yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of like our modern society, right? It's like, it, it's tough to really get a sense of community anymore uh, because we're all live in our own worlds and we all listen to our music and look at our own media. Um, you know, your thoughts I thought were interesting because it kind of brings me back to part of the reason that we do this podcast where it's like, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to toot my own horror or self-aggrandize or anything, but like, you know, we create a community in a way in that we feature these shows and we give people something to talk about again that um, might be missing if you just have access to the archive. And I will push back on uh, McNally's point where, you know, he reg- he regrets the ease of simply downloading a million shows. And that's just interesting because I think one of the best things about the archive is that you have the ability, well, you can't download anymore, but you have the ability to stream a million shows. And to me, to my experience, that's incredible. I don't think I would be listening to these shows. I mean, certainly we could not have this podcast if we were trading tapes. Um, I've never bought, I've I've talked about this before, I've never bought Grateful Dead on vinyl because I don't feel like that is a 
valid, I don't say valid, a, a, you know, a true listening experience having to flip the record every, you know, um, 25 minutes or whatnot. Um, but just being able to stream these shows in, in high fidelity, you know, for free at your fingertips is, is absolutely incredible. And, and that's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast with you guys. So, yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that jumped out to me from the McNally AMA was actually talking about our boy King Brent. And let's see here. Someone on Twitter, uh, Tennessee John on Twitter, wrote uh, it was about Brent. Why wasn't Brent um, yeah, talked about so much in your book? Uh, the book they're referencing is A Long Strange Trip. And what McNally uh, responded was, I really liked Brent, but he was an introvert. And it was hard to get him to say much about himself. His personality didn't stand out in a room with a Jerry, Mickey, Phil, or Bobby. I regret that to some extent. That's a really keen, interesting insight that I don't think I ever really picked up on. But it that that makes sense to me. There's a there's a logic there, and and I think that that's uh, that's cool. And that's you know one of the great things about these AMAs is you kind of uh, get get to learn about these personalities a little bit more. So um, if you want to check out the rest of the McNally AMA, um, it is it'll be on the sidebar of the Grateful Dead's uh, subreddit. And you'll be able to check it out. Uh, I think comments are locked now. It's still on the, uh, st it's still sticky in the subreddit, but this is coming out in a week, so it might not be. So you might have to poke around for the McNally uh, AMA. It should be on the sidebar. I think that's where uh, PCE usually puts them. But again, great stuff and, and uh, really cool to have that as part of our uh, subreddit and Grateful Dead community. Now, do you want to talk about the Wolf Bros Trio shows? Yes, they happened forever yeah. ago, but we forgot to talk about them on the last episode and i'm going to be honest with you it has been bugging me <laughs> we finished taping it and i was immediately like oh my god they played five shows that we didn't say anything about it's um, because i wasn't there to remind you let's face it it's true it's true um yeah the wolf brothers uh, the trio version of the wolf brothers which is to say just bob don was and jay lane on on guitar bass and drums respectively Played a, a week of shows in California at the beginning of this month. It was neat. It was a very different format to the Wolf Brothers. These these three have not played as just the three of them for a few years now. I don't know. Someone who knows more about the Wolf Brothers can say for sure, but I'm pretty sure they haven't done this since the pandemic started. But uh, it was it was really. Fun to just see them kind of play a different set of rep uh, without uh, Comenti and and Sless and the Wolf Brothers out there. Uh, sorry, the Wolf Wolf Pack. Um, and they had some cool guests. Uh, it was fun. You know, I like the full Wolf Brothers more, but this was neat. It was cool. That's I don't really have more to say about it than that. All right, cool. Well, thanks for filling us in. Um, yeah. Certainly more than I can say about it. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's just again, it's just great that they're all still doing stuff. Um, so with that, we're going to close out our channel six uh, new segment, um, and we're going to head into our show of the week. And again, this is all random. We don't get to choose what yeah. we listen to. I have a spreadsheet oh. that's randomized and tells us what to listen to. So this week we're staying in the '90s. This is April eighth, ninety-one, way down in Walt Disney World, Florida, in Orlando. It's actually Orlando Arena. I imagine that's somewhere close to uh, Disney World. Um, actually, I think I've seen pictures of Jerry in Disney World in the 90s, and I wonder if it's from this show. Maybe. Uh, it's on the subreddit. You can look it up. 
All right, so set one is um, half step uptown boogaloo. We get into walking blues after that. We can have a Peggy O, me and my uncle, into Maggie's farm. We get a direwolf, Picasso Moon, and we end the first set with Might as well. So, Nob, why don't you tell us uh, your thoughts on set one of April 8th, 1991? Yeah. Uh, All of them. Sure. Um, I, uh, I, I'm trying to find a more intelligent, more coherent way to express this feeling. But I just don't like this show. I didn't mm. enjoy mm. listening to it. It, okay. it it's not sloppy, it's not bad, it's not without energy, but there's just something beyond words that just is not working for me here for pretty much oh, everything. Yeah, th the vibes are are not there. <laughs> um, it's Okay, it's a well-played Mississippi half-step, I suppose. Uh, the composed bits in the first half are kind of rough. Uh, the solo is nice, and the across the Rio Grandio part is pretty good. Yeah. The big thing that stands out for you here is this is one of those nights that you, you just want to hand Jerry a lozenge. Like, you just, <laughs> you just, like, you want to personally, like, pat him on the back until he coughs up whatever he's got in his throat. And it's just noticeable. It doesn't. It doesn't sound great. <laughs> um, right. I and then they play a walk in blues. The intro was rough. I I'll just say it. It was sparse in a way that didn't feel purposeful. Mm. It felt like no one knew exactly how to start walk in blues. Yeah. Um, it also, as it went on, did not sound like anyone besides Bob Weir wanted to play walk in blues that bad. Yeah. Um. Phil was nice. He was really going for a walk, uh, and that was fun. Uh, the solos in the middle almost make this worth it. Um, and similarly to the beginning, the song just ends in a way that's really anticlimactic. Uh, it it just feels like it came and went, not to wow you, but simply to pass time. Anyway, I will probably get nicer as this goes on. I hope. I hear well, how I sound right now. <laughs> just, just so the audience is yeah. um, aware, I, I agree with ninety-five percent of what you're saying. So this Thank is you. not you slagging. This is, I think, somewhat of an objective take. But go right ahead. Um, it's a zippy Peggio. Um, oh, okay. I think it's fine. <laughs> it's pretty. I enjoyed the solo section, both a, a pretty Jerry solo and some nice underscoring from everybody. Again, it just doesn't have that oomph that I want from it, but it, it's fine. Uh, a tight me and my uncle. Everybody's nailing the groove. Some hot licks from Jerry. I'll be honest with you. I think Maggie's Farm is the only song in the set that I would say works for me. Like, mm -hmm. really, truly works for me. Uh, it's a fun, energetic backing mixed with some ripping solos. Everybody has fun singing a verse, even though Phil doesn't hit any of the pitches correctly he's having a fun enough time that i i really enjoyed this maggie's farm i would definitely put this yeah. as my highlight of the set but with a lowercase h um a zippy dire wolf not particularly noteworthy but it was well played which counts as a win here um 
I like Picasso Moon as a song, like in the abstract. I really do. I really like Picasso Moon. But, oh, man, this was bad. Like, it just, Bob's guitar tone was unpleasant, and it just made it hard to root for. There was just too much noise. This is a song that did not benefit from seven people being on the stage. It, All with MIDI capabilities, seemingly. It was, it, yeah, it was just so unpleasant. Like, everyone was grooving fine, but the sounds that were coming out of their instruments, I didn't like hearing. And I will say, as, as the one positive here, it made the payoff of bigger than a drive-in movie, ooh-wee. And then when all the instruments cut out, and they sing the bigger than a drive-in movie, ooh-wee, I don't think I've ever been more excited to hear them stop playing their instruments. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, see, the only problem with the Might As Well is that it follows the Picasso moon, and for the first 30 seconds or so, everyone still has the same settings on their instruments. Like, it's a very clangy start, but everyone immediately goes, oh, this is unpleasant. Let's make our instruments sound good. And by the first chorus, it, it's... Again. Yeah, it's just generally... It, it gets better. The end of Might As Well is way better than the beginning of Might As Well, but... Like, it's not... I've, I like other versions of Might As Well way more than I like this, and I would say that's true of pretty much every song in this set. And as a positive... Say something nice. Say something nice. It ended. Uh, Fig, what did you think of <laughs> wow. this first set? Backhand. You're the king of backhanded compliments. I, I, will, I really, I, that's probably one of the nicest things that could come out of me with this first set. It really does <laughs> just feel like 50 minutes past. is a compliment. Well, some I, of those again, 50 minutes were less pleasant and some of it was neutral. Anyway, you go. I wasn't as hard on the first set as you. I, I agree with a lot of the sentiment. However, I, I think I did like the first set more. Um, it was a decent recording. The drums were kind of meh in the sense that, you know, uh, Mickey's toms just sounded like, I don't know what the, like, just like he was beating on the bottom of a uh, coffee can. The co- <laughs> coffee can sounding drums. Like, and it, it hurt when you were on... Um, when you were listening on headphones, it just the drums were not working for me with this mix. Uh, I think it was a Charlie Miller 24-bit mix. Um, Jerry, Jerry Garcia, Vox, uh, his vocals were gruff throughout the whole night. Uh, so I, I agree with that. Except, actually, there is one exception in set two, which we'll get to. And you may, my take on Hornsby shows is that they're just too busy. I agree. Like, there's seven people. There's a ton of sound. And there's just, like, you know, I can't place the instruments in my head. And I listen to the Grateful Dead quite a lot. So, you know, just for example, oh, and Picasso Moon, I completely agree that I, I said that the MIDI keys were grinding, but in my head, I thought it was keys from Vince. I thought it was Vince creating a grind, uh, the, the awful noise that you were mentioning, but I guess it's Bobby. So again, it's just hard to really, you know, there's no separation and it just sounds like a big kind of honking piece of music being thrown your way. Uh, but, you know, my, my song by song takes are probably a lot nicer than my general takes. Uh, Mississippi Half Step, uh, it just it had a great walking shuffle groove, um, a really good uh, Rio Grandio portion there. And I, I kind of like, they kind of kept with the shuffle groove for Walking Blues. I actually kind of like Walking Blues, had a, a good pulse. I really like Bobby's vocals. I think he was trying to maybe, you know, rise the tide with his with his try um, with his vocals because he, he sounded great and he was probably the only one to do that. Uh, Vince's solo 
I think it was Vince. Again, I don't even know. It's hard, it's hard to tell. It was really good. Uh, he went for another round, and Jerry initially wasn't giving it to him. I think Jerry wanted to take over, but then he relented, and I think that was the right call. So Vince, if it was Vince, um, was actually really great on Walking Blues. Peggio was uh, bittersweet with a kind of a faster tempo than expected. Uh, I liked what Bobby was doing uh, with his comping, and uh, even Horns of East flourishes were actually pretty cool on, on Peggio. Uh, Uncle, which was the voted recently voted the second greatest uh, Grateful Dead cover. This night, it was really just a prelude to Maggie's Farm, which I wrote was a real highlight. Um, I did map out for the listeners of the podcast exactly which, uh, you know, I guess the order of who sang uh, which verse, because uh, Maggie's Farm, sometimes when the Grateful Dead play it, uh, they kind of... I don't know what's it called. Like everybody takes a verse. Like it's yeah. Uh, like pass the verses. Pass the verse. Yeah, they that's play what we say in my band. Oh, yeah, cool. And um, I don't know if did Jerry get a verse. Yeah, he was. I think the second verse. I think it was. So my, Bob, I did Jerry. Bob. Yeah, I, I did Bob Hornsby, Wellnick, Lesh. Yeah, but, that's yeah. right, but I think there's a Jerry verse between Bob and ah. Bruce. Okay. So, another interesting thing that happened there was Jerry starts riffing on Samson. I don't know if you heard that, mm -hmm. but that was his just kind of... Uh, at some point in the show, everybody starts riffing on Day Tripper uh, in between oh. songs, which was really cool. Uh, just the riff from Day Tripper. And uh, did the, the, the Grateful Dead did play Day Tripper, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think <laughs> once... I really do genuinely I think, we... think once, maybe twice. Yeah, I mean, it's a great. I mean, probably one of the best hooks on, of all time, like guitar um, riffs of all time. However, um, it was one of the first ones I learned on the guitar when I was no, learning I think it's as the first a kid. Learns. Yeah, uh, yeah, great riff. However, it doesn't need a, the Grateful Dead treatment, like a lot of the Beatles songs, as as, as we've seen. So we get into Dire Wolf. Uh, this was a decent version with a good swinging backbeat, and then Picasso Moon. Uh, Jerry had this very distorted Mutron, which which I kind of liked. Uh, but then there was that awful grinding MIDI coming from mm -hmm. someone. I, I guess it was Bobby. I'll defer to you. And then we get into Might as Well, which was a nice change of pace from Picasso Moon, which is also a song I, I really do rate highly. Um, and this was just really unfortunate that I could not get through the Picasso Moon to the point where I was listening again in preparation for my notes. And I couldn't listen to it again. I was like, okay, I got uh, everything I needed out of this Picasso Moon. Did not want to put my ears through that. But we yeah, get into it might as well, which I really like the rhythm. Um, this is a great rhythm show. I, re I really thought mm -hmm. that um, when this show excelled, it was because of um, the rhythm. And, and this one was awesome. I wrote that it sounded like a Jerry Garcia band tune. And I don't know why. Um, it just kind of had that kind of smoky kind of uh, bar band, bar blues band feel. And it was fun, and it was a great way to end set one, which had its ups and downs, I'll agree. So let's go into set two. A little bit shorter of a set, we have uh, Eyes of the World into Man Smart, Woman Smarter, which I definitely wrote down as Ico. We have Ship of Fools. We get Truckin', which starts our suite into Drums and Space and Wheel and Miracle. And we end set two with Morning Dew. And the encore of the night was Johnny Be Good. I'm just going to keep talking because, um, you know, you, you went first with set one. Yeah. Set two starts with a sublime 16-minute eyes. Sublimes. I wrote that this was a dance party. 
Um, on, on subsequent re-listens, I realized it doesn't really get good until about five minutes in, but once again, it's a 60-minute eye, so you got a good 10 minutes of just grooving, um, which is which is great. And I was listening to it, I probably listened to it two or three times today, because it's just awesome. Some great Jerry playing, just some really fun grooves. It's 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 really an eyes to be listened to. Um, it, it's the reason you, you listen to the band, it's the reason you listen to Eyes of the World. Uh, great eyes. And they kept things grooving with um, what I wrote down as Ico, which is actually Man Smart, Woman Smarter. and But it wasn't anything really spectacular. Um, really cool way to start uh, set two, I'm sure. Everyone was uh, excited for it. And then Ship of Fools comes in. It's a good breather. I really like Jerry's bluesy guitar solo throughout that. Uh, Truckin' was a little bit busy for me at first. I don't really know uh, what I mean by that. Um, Drums in space, I just skipped. Um, so I'm 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 gonna be channeling my inner the game by just uh, skipping drums in space. Wheel was good, but we we get into the Wellnick caterwauling, which I did not appreciate. Um, Bobby goes into oh the the round round Bob yeah it was like two early. verses yeah, early and, and everyone probably just gave him the eye and he just backs off because he he did it a little bit early, uh, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, Miracle was a good vibe after the freakiness. So I did listen to Jumps in Space, but I didn't really listen to it that intently. It was a little bit of freakier of a Jumps in Space, I believe. So Miracle was kind of a fun rocker after that whole ordeal. And we get into Do, and I think someone gave Jerry a lozenge for, for yeah. Do, because, uh, yeah, like it was the best that Jerry sounded all night. We get into the real quiet part, I guess it doesn't matter anyway, and Orlando... Whoever is orchestrating the the crowd, the clapping from the crowd should be commended because everyone was on tempo. They were giving you know a great backbeat there for Jerry to to croon that part. And I was very impressed with Orlando. So good job there. Um, Jerry then decides to you know a- after I guess it doesn't matter anyway. Jerry, I think it was Jerry, takes a solo with a horn MIDI. And yeah, I just the MIDI have a big trumpet. question mark. It was like, like, why are we going with a horn MIDI at that point? It, it sounded good at first, and that just sounded like a big, big question mark in my mind. Um, but then he kind of figures it out, and he and there's a really serene uh, solo uh, from Jerry at the end there. Johnny B. Good, I can only imagine, was Johnny B. Good because I didn't listen to it. So with that, I will kick it to Nob to tell me what you thought of set two. Sure. Um, <laughs> I... Liked it more than set one. And now you uh, ruined the whole other segment of this podcast. Oh, sorry. I mean, that that's just me uh, uh, damning with faint praise. I don't know. Set two is definitely better, but I'm still not... Like, I, I didn't like listening to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Eyes of the World is fun. A nice... It, it, it was a mellow start for a set two opener, but it, it gave them some really nice room to grow. There were two very different jams, which I thought was really fun. The first one was a little more energized and more Jerry kind of frantically going up and down the scales. And the second one was a little bit dreamier and, and spacier, and I thought that was really nice. Uh, the, the transition into Man Smart, Women Smarter isn't clunky, but it's definitely lost. Like, it definitely... Yeah takes everyone a minute to get on. everyone knows that they're transitioning into this song but it definitely takes a few loops of the chord progression for them to all be on the same page about where they are 
Once we get into this Man Smart, Women Smarter, I think it's actually a lot of fun. Uh, the ending is especially nice. I really enjoyed when they kind of started to like really fade out and get quieter and quieter on those. That's right, the women are smarter. Until it finally was like almost silent. And then they came back with a really loud, that's right, the women are smarter. I, that was awesome. That was really cool. That worked for me in every way that the ending of Walking Blues didn't. Um, not to go back and shit on that Walking Blues, but oh, it deserves it. Um, <laughs> A nice, somber Ship of Fools. This is another one where I think Jerry's gruff voice is letting the song down a little bit. But it's it's not the worst one for me. I generally think it's working. The organ sound is really nice. Jerry's solo is really good. It gets better at the end than the beginning, for sure. Truckin'. Oh, truckin'. Okay, so, in general with this show, I find I really want to like it. I really do. I, I don't, I wasn't listening to this show going, oh man, I'm so glad I hate this. I really was rooting for it. And then every time I would get into a groove and really start rooting for it, something would go wrong. Someone would play a weird note. Someone would make some weird sounds in a way that totally took me out of the vibe. And that happens in trucking like twice. There are moments where I'm like, hell yeah, this trucking is the best part of the show. And then we get to... Oh, hearing them struggle to do the harmonies on what a long, strange trip it's been. They lose me. They just lose me. And then they win me back when it starts getting cool in the jam. And then they lose me again by messing up the... the... They were on different pages with that. Phil and the drummers come in with that like one measure sooner than the rest of the band. And they recover, but it takes me out of it. So I can't... I don't know how I feel about this trucking. I really want to root for it, but I, I don't. I'm not gonna listen to it again. Yeah. Um, I. Did you listen to the drums in space? I mean, I. No. <laughs> I was doing so bad listening to the parts of the show that were composed. I did not want to hear them make sounds for 23 minutes. Are you joking? This is, this is the quality of podcasting our audience has come to expect. <laughs> Did you I, listen it, to the music? No. Of course not. Of course not. Um, Why would I do that to myself? I think if I was vibing more with anything in set two, I'd uh, I'd uh, listen to the drums. But no, I didn't. For my own self worth, I skipped drum space. Um, no, I think that was I think that was the right call. I mean, I listened to it somewhat in the background, and it just got a little bit weird. Um, yeah. Uh. So. And it was long. I think they were both about 10 minutes long, so... Yeah. Yeah. Good piss yeah. break material. Yeah. Yeah, say. I would have loved getting a beer during that drum space. Um, I would have loved to buy you a beer. No, during that you. drums in space. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you that... negative... Oh. Eight. eight. Yes. Yeah. I would not yeah. be born for another eight years. No, um, fetal alcohol syndrome. At that point. Yeah, pre-fetal. <laughs> I would be fascinated by me eight years before I was born standing in the beer line. That's something that somebody who was at the show probably saw. Um, um, anyway, getting out of this drum space, we get into a wheel. It's fine. It's zippy. It's like, it's good. I, I will say this is the third time that you've, you've used the word zippy. And I'm starting to wonder if it's lost all meaning to you at this point. 
No, because I really thought about it, and none of these are boppy. They're all zippy. I really did. None of them are jaunty. None of them are boppy. Wow. These are just okay. all zippy. Okay. Um, uh, as long as it's how you know how you truly feel. Yes. No. It was okay. a well a well considered zippy before <laughs> I I let it fly. Love it. Um, yeah. I the probably the most noticeable notable part of this wheel is when Bobby jumps to round round robin run around about two verses before it actually comes up. <laughs> uh. The jam at the end is really nice. That the the transition jam into I need a miracle. Short wheel. It's a short wheel. Yeah, it's a short one. Um, I will say I I think I like this post drums section more than the rest of the show. Uh, the the wheel works for me. I thought the miracle was really fun. My only real gripe with miracles, I wish it was about a minute or two longer. Um, when when do started, I wrote down I could have used a little more miracle, but we'll never complain about a do. Let's how, see how I feel when this is over. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, this do is the highlight of the show. And there is no question in my mind. Uh, I wouldn't say that this show is worth listening to for this do, but this do is what you want to listen to this show for. You would do um, the do. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a song where Jerry's voice is working. It's definitely not as gruff. There are still its moments, but I think that fits... The, the desperation, the story of Morning Dew a lot more comfortably, and I really don't mind it. Um, I love what the keys section is bringing to this dew. Uh, both, there was some really nice piano stuff from Bruce and some nice organ stuff from Vince. Uh, I, it was some gorgeous, gorgeous soloing. I actually really thought the MIDI trumpet sounded good. I, like, yeah. it, I don't always say this, uh, but... I thought it was actually really fitting into the sound of everything. And especially the more it went on, the more I thought, I'm really glad he's taking a MIDI trumpet solo. And I hope that the surprise in my voice still reads. Um, no, I, and then it was I, a fun Johnny Be Good for a, for a song about being good at playing guitar. This sure was a vehicle for Vince and Bruce to shred, but it was good. Like, I got nothing against that. I would definitely say... If there was a part of this show that I enjoyed, it was the last few songs. Um, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. Let's get into our Book of the Dead. I have a feeling that based on the conversation, I'm just going to say no. Game, I'm going to preemptively say no and Nob, no. Uh, I also probably know which set, but for tradition's sake, Nob, which set would you uh, feature directly after uh, the talking portion of this podcast? Sure. Well, I know I had nothing nice to say about set one. Uh, so for that reason, and, and also from the way it sounds and from listening to it, I would definitely go with set two over set one. Yeah, and I'm going to agree. Um, so directly after the talking portion of this podcast, which should wrap up momentarily, we will be featuring set two of our weekly show, which is April 8th, 1991 at the Orlando Arena. So please stay tuned to that. Now, the one question that I'm not sure how you would answer, Nob, I'm, I'm not sure how I would answer, is who is your MVP for April 8th of 1991? Uh, I, I, I've been, this whole episode and while listening to the show, I was like, I don't, I'm not liking this enough to crown anybody an MVP. But I yeah. think if there is someone that was consistently not annoying me, it is probably Phil. Wow, I really? Think, uh, I, I yeah, had, 
Okay. I mean, that's your vote. Sure. I'm, I'm no, not yeah. to talk you out of it. M- my, my concern with Phil for this show is I think it may have been a show that he wasn't quite listening. He was doing a lot. Yeah, but that, on no his one own. was listening to each other. But I think that might be right, too. <laughs> um, so my thought is I think I'm going to go with Billy. Okay. And yeah, and because I think it was a rhythm show, mm-hmm. and I did not like the sound, the uh, audio recording for uh, Mickey. So I'm just going to give it to Billy because he's going to be the heart of that rhythm section. Although I think Bobby was doing good stuff too. And I mean, clearly, when you have seven guys up there and you're doing, you know, grooves, everyone's, you know, everyone's involved. But I'm going to give it to the rhythm section and I'm going to give it to, to Billy for, for that night. So awesome. So. We don't have any Reddit comments, but our next segment we'll be talking about something pretty cool on the archive. And this actually loops us back to the McNally AMA. Um, this is one of the special, special things about the archive that I just wanted to point out. Um, so in 2011, someone was talking about this show. This is Tie Dyed and Groovin gave it a four star uh, show. And they write a couple things. Oh, this is the first ever dead show. What a trip. And one of the things that stood out most about that day, which was what was that 20 years ago from 1991 he wrote he was writing in 2011 he says the parking lot remember how some vendors sold beer at a dollar of a bottle or can well there's this one young guy that was doing so and had a cooler strapped to a skateboard he straddled the cooler and rode along through the crowd selling beer singles until a cop stopped him right in front of me the cop hassled him for a minute or two and then yelled out that this guy was giving out free beer the crowd converged on this little guy and took all of his beer once the cop walked away, everyone came back and gave him his beer back, and I was overwhelmed. Um, and he goes on that there may have been some punks throwing rocks, and everybody got tear gassed. So, <laughs> unbeknownst to Tidane Groovin, I'm sure Tidane Groovin has not checked the archive uh, in the last, mm, what, 11 years. But 11, 11 years later, Rick Edgeworth, on July 25th, 2022, writes back with a subject line i was the kid with the skateboard and the cooler of beer and um he talks about how he was 20 years old and he couldn't buy beer legally so he started off with a 12 pack of sprite that he bought for 250 can't get that anymore uh sold them for a dollar of pop and bought a 12 pack of beer and he was able to uh buy you know buy all of his tickets for uh the next couple shows now, the interesting thing about that is that there's all this serendipity going on where someone has just decided to mention this random memory they have about April 8th, 91 in Orlando, and they do it on the archive, and, and they actually find the person yeah. who was selling them that beer, which is like really cool. Uh, the other interesting thing is that uh, Rick Edgeworth, who was that kid with the skateboard and cooler beer, uh, even though there's a serendipitous moment that only could happen on the internet and, and the archive, uh, he only rates this show a three stars. So even after all that, it's just, yeah, I'll give it a three. Um, all right, so let us jump to our next show. And this is this is an interesting show. This is one I haven't checked out. Uh, this is How the Grateful Dead Said Goodbye to 1969 and how they said hello to the decade that I think made them who they were in the 70s. Uh, this is uh, December 31st, 1969, at the Boston Tea Party in Boston, Massachusetts. Starts off with a China writer. Uh, we're getting getting a Black Peter. It looks like it's one big set, although yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's more 
more music than songs. Mm-hmm. We get like an alligator sandwich kind of blending in with uh, drums and good loving in the eleven. Uh, I read seasons as sea stones, and it kind of no. blew my mind for a second. We we get a big boy Pete, which is kind of cool. Whoa, another big boy Pete! I yeah. genuinely thought we were never going to hear that song again on the podcast. Yeah, we featured <laughs> that only like two or three months ago, too. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm very excited. Uh, for, Race uh... is on, which is a cool one. I know Game likes that one, so that'd be cool. And then Silver Threads, Slewfoot. I don't even know what Slewfoot is. That's an old bluegrass tune. Oh, cool. And they end um, things with Dancing in the Street. Yeah, I'm very and a, yeah, Primal Dead Dancing in the Street. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 gonna be honest with you. I'm more excited reading this list of names of songs right now than I was listening to the most recent show. But uh no, I'm I'm very excited to listen to this one. Yeah, definitely, me too. And there's some good recordings um floating around there, so uh again on the archives. So that will be our feature for next week's show. And uh, what we need you to do now is, if you like what we're doing here, just go ahead and smash that subscribe button, like and share with anybody who may or may not like the Grateful Dead, or just like to hear us talk. Maybe they have insomnia and they need to go to bed. You know, we're fine for that as well. Uh, You can find us at wherever podcasts are downloaded, but not ones that loosely rhyme with Slipknotify or Slewfootify. Nice. Uh, yeah. And you can find us on our website, which is helponthewaypod.podbean.com. Um, you can email us if you have something to say to us at helponthewaypod at gmail.com. We are always, maybe not always, but usually sticky there on the top of the Grateful Dead subreddit. That is reddit.com slash r slash Grateful Dead. And I'm not going to promote the game's uh, Twitch because I don't know if it still exists and he's not here today. So he can't get mad at me for not pr- promoting it. So that is all that we have. Um, after we um, stop talking, you will be listening to set two of April 8th, 91. Nob, is there anything you want to tell the fans before we move on with our lives? I'm generally a happy person, and I really <laughs> like the Grateful Dead. And I cannot stress that enough. All right, and that's it for me, Fig. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy set two of April 8th, 1991 on the Help on the Way podcast.
Which one is smarter? Some say men, but I say look Women got the men like a puppet show It ain't me, it's the people that say Men are leading the women astray But I say, the women today Smarter than the men in every way That's right, the women are smarter That's right, the women are smarter That's right, the women are smarter Women are smarter than the Little boy sit on the corner and cry
say which one is smarter Some say men, but I say no Really got the men like a puppet show It ain't me People that say When I leave you, the women is better I say The women today Smarter than the men Swim 
He's just left there to float I won't leave you
Detroit and it's on the same street. Your typical city involved in a typical daydream. Hang it up and see what tomorrow brings. Dallas, Love, been thinking, you got to mellow us up. 
takes time to pick a place to go.
Just a little 
twice my age. Million no village each and delivery. Spinner in the dirt, lacking on the job. Mm-hmm.
Thank you. 